And in your stock market update, investors are averaging down in a bull market up from yesterday's bear market, showing volatility in the liquidity of the hedge fund's haircut, leveraging the lows, moving the margins and short-selling the spread of share market sectors while playing footsie. Fortunately, you don't need to get the stock market to get shares in the world's biggest companies like Apple, Facebook and Coca-Cola. Download Shift, the global money app from Standard Bank and get the world. Standard Bank. It can be. Shift operates under the FSP license of Standard Bank. Hello, my name's Toby Shapshak and I speak to interesting people about interesting things. One of the most interesting things in the world right now is fintech and, and financial inclusion. How do we bring all of the people on the planet and all of the people in Africa into this amazing thing called the internet and financial services? And one of the people that I've managed to corner for an interview somewhat reluctantly, um, okay, not that reluctantly, is the brilliant Sim Shabalala. Firstly, hello, Sim. Hello, Toby, and you're very charming. Uh, not many people call me brilliant. You should tell my daughter this. And, uh, I, I, I hope she'll listen to the podcast and hear it. She listens to it. Um, <laughs> and, and Sim is one of those genuinely nice guys who's ended up in a position of power running the largest bank, not only in South Africa, but on the continent. And Standard Bank is, is something of a phenomenon. I have banked with Standard Bank many times through my life, and I've watched the way Standard Bank has evolved itself to become the modern bank and, and it's a funny thing Sim isn't it like you and I are at a certain point in our life where we think we've we've achieved something in life and and the, you know the world has gotten to a certain place but actually what we think is progress our children are going to wake up to and think how do we move on from here and that's part of the problem for a large organization or an institution like a bank I mean this is the, the systems you run are mission critical they can't get go down they can't get hacked you've got a whole bunch of things that can't happen for business continuity and trust and amongst other things but it's a very different landscape you it's no longer we will build everything in-house and we don't trust partners now it's a, a process of partnering with people choosing the right partners choosing the right approaches it's a it's a fundamentally different world in 2021 than it was in 2019 Yes and no. So uh, I think this is going to be a, a dialectical process, I guess. But one of the striking things about banking, Toby, is that uh, it changes a lot, but you know, so much remains the same. So for example, in the case of Standard Bank, Standard Bank opened its first branch in Port Elizabeth in January 1863. And it set up that branch to service wool traders. And I often say to my colleagues, isn't that the original platform business, right? Where you are True. coordinating activities between buyers and sellers, importers and exporters, managing those relationships on your platform. Uh, and presto, the farmers get their wool to the United Kingdom and they get paid. I often also say to people, what's the difference between uh, regional banks, universal banks, um, needing to change the basis on which they compete today versus what was happening during the Industrial Revolution, just yes. off the back of the Enlightenment. Yes. Um, they had to figure out how to lend to SMEs. They had to figure out, you know, does a bank uh, take the same risks as a venture capitalist? Where was this money going to come from to finance, you know, the steam engine? 
uh, the cotton ginny, uh, etc. Yeah. What's the difference between that and how Yoko has developed today? They cutting edge, they're very competitive, they're a nuisance to us, uh, but they found a solution. How do they continue to compete uh, with Ikoka, right? And what do we do about them? How do we deal with the likes of Payflex and Netcash and these guys? Um, because they provide a great service actually yes. for merchants, uh, but they're eating into the value chain. Um, your kids have probably never paid, well, they probably have, but they don't really know what a pay point is, right? No, I mean, I mean my son's that? four and a half, so, so yeah. he's only getting his head around money now. But, yeah. but they know what, they'll probably know what Yoko is, and they'll probably know what uh, Ikaka is, right? Um, See, now that's one of the reasons I, I really respect you, Some Not many CEOs of a bank your size would start an interview by praising your competitors and name-checking them. Yeah. I mean, that is the generosity that I've always associated with you as a person. I mean, it's fantastic to say that, to give credit to your competitors yeah. and say they're giving you a run for your money. And I can take that discussion further. Firstly, you're very charming, and I really appreciate it. This is fantastic. My daughter <laughs> Listen, daughter, the check better be in the mail, okay? I think, actually, Toby, the way the world is moving is you've got to accept competition, but you also yes. have to accept partnerships and cooperation. So I understand what these fintechs do. Um, I mean, I'm not a technical expert. I think I understand enough to know that they're eating away at the value streams. Likewise, while we on it, so are the big techs. So Vodacom, in partnership with Alipay, amazing partnership. Um, what do you do? Um, so the, the fintechs eating away at payment value chains, big techs potentially in partnership with some of our clients, change the landscape. And then, of course, you've got new entrants such as Bank Zero and Time, um, growing very quickly um, and then you've got the incumbents who have grown up so you think about Capitec who started yeah. out very small and look at them now they're behemoth and they're nearly the size of the Standard Bank group by market capitalization <laughs> extraordinary it is then you've got the incumbents like First Rand and APSA who if they get their act together are formidable at the end of the day, you have to keep asking yourself, which is something we've had to answer to shareholders. What is it that we have and do that others don't have and or can't do yeah. that puts us in a position to perform better and create uh, greater value for, for our shareholders? We've come to the conclusion that in our case, it's scale. Yeah. So it's our size, our ability to to sell product through many, many channels, so omni-channel, to use yes. the buzzword, word, our ability to partner with others because there are many people who are our clients or our vendors, and we can partner with them. So I mentioned the payments fintechs. Our view on them would be that in some cases, you can partner with them. There's no yeah. reason why you shouldn't. So in our case, there are many examples, SnapScan, Shift and so forth. We've partnered yeah. with people to produce those uh, those services. I'm going to come back to SnapScan because that was very smart yeah. on in Standard Bank's cases, part. You buy them. Yeah. yeah. And I think the same proposition is going to apply in respect of big techs and telcos. They have capabilities that we don't have, but I also 
I'm quite confident that we can do things that law can't do. You know, you walked into this building, there are armies of risk managers, yes. compliance officers, and for as long as financial services is built on trust, yes. it is a skill and a capability. So that together with other people's capabilities is a case of one and one makes three. One of the fascinating things is just this idea of a modern bank, right? I mean, it's... Look at, look at a company like Microsoft, for instance, which, you know, very similarly to Standard Bank, had to reinvent itself for this kind of new online age. So, yeah, Toby, we use Microsoft as a, not cautionary tale, but as an analogy to learn from. Yeah. Uh, because you've got this great company, software company. Uh, it's got massive legacy. And over the last few years, it pivots and becomes a modern technology company competing uh, against all comers. So we've learned the same. We've said to ourselves, we needed to transform ourselves. We needed to change our culture. We needed to change the way in which we're organized, um, change the way in which we were incentivizing ourselves and change the way we are relating to clients so that we can be more competitive going forward. Because at the end of the day, clients want the same quality of experience as they get from Amazon, Alibaba. They want the same experience as they get from the telcos. So we need to provide the same. So we needed to take our capability as a bank, continue the modernization of our back end. We spent a lot of money on our core banking, but then accelerate the customer interface, the experience that customers have when they interface with us. They want the same experience as when they deal with Hyphen. So if somebody wants cash and treasury management solutions, they want the same level of experience. And our investments then have been going towards improving that customer experience while remaining a traditional financial services organization, a bank, an asset manager, because we've got an asset management group inside Liberty and at Melville Douglas. Um, and, uh, yeah, banking, insurance, and asset management in one group. I suppose it's a kind of a consumerization of expectations, right? I'm used to dealing with a slick online yep. shopping experience from Amazon or take a lot. Oh, why can't I have the same experience from my bank? I mean, I, I watched with with kind of amazement in, a, in the last few years how banks have been very willing to move to the cloud, you know, move to a move to a service provider that's cloud-based. I mean, 10 years ago, there's no way that would have been even in the consciousness of a bank, and yet now it's part of how you compete because not only is it the client expectation or the consumer expectation, but it's, it's, it's available and Absolutely. it's secure. So, Toby, so when somebody makes an EFT payment, they want the same experience as they get at PayFast, uh, and banks had better put themselves in a position to be able to provide that level of service. Um, talking about going to the cloud, um, we have got a deal with Microsoft for our back end and the deal with Amazon Web Services for our front end. Uh, there is no way you can continue operating on, the, on your premises uh, in the modern world. No. But here's the thing, going back to the South African National Competitive Advantage, if you're going to do that, best you have the know-how and the engineers to do it. Yeah. The tragedy of South Africa as we speak is that a lot of our engineers are leaving. Yeah. Um, going to work overseas, particularly to Canada, Australia, the yeah. UK. Um, what do you do? Our response has been, firstly, you try and improve their experience in South Africa. 
Secondly, you contribute to the building of engineering capability with Microsoft, yeah. Amazon, yeah. Uh, Salesforce in our case. Yes. Next, you work with the universities. And next, you lobby government. You do your best to make sure that South Africa improves the, the quality of the experience of engineers in South Africa. Uh, and then lastly, you try and make it possible for them to work from anywhere. Yeah. I mean, all of those things taken together. Uh, I, mean, I mean, in a way, it's it's the same challenges that Google faces versus Twitter versus. I mean, I remember when Microsoft was no longer cool and no one wanted, it, none of the engineers wanted to work at Microsoft. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I, Google gave them free lunch and lots of sugar and yeah. caffeine. I, you know, use it, don't use it. But it's the same, isn't it? At the end of the day, and I, in a way, it heartens me to know that talent is still as important as anything else. It doesn't matter how good a company is if they don't have the the talent pipeline. And like you say, you have to build it yourself and Toby you want the best to be working at Standard Bank I want, definitely want, yeah. so you want to compete not just then with the Boston Consulting Groups the McKinsey's the investment banks Goldman Sachs you want the best people not just the engineers the engineers the lawyers the bankers etc because ultimately banking is a service business it's about serving humanity so you need the best it, it is indeed, and that's, that's a good segue to how do we serve more of humanity. You've mentioned yeah. mobile money and cellular operators. I mean, they, they have this unbelievably sophisticated thing in people's pockets called a smartphone. It's a gateway to all of the wonders of the information superhighway. No, 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 but it is. So you know that in the last couple of years, the number of people connected to these things has doubled. Amazing. And it's going to double again in the next yeah. five years. So the ordinary African now has got access to the internet and they're expecting an experience with their bank not dissimilar to what they will get when they're on their phone. So how do you do that? You can either try and replicate what the telcos and what the big techs do or you can partner with them. Yeah. We think it's sensible to partner with them. It is. And we know that they think the same. Sally and I run a small media business. We get yeah. that. We we are looking at it from the small side to yeah. the big side. You you do what you're good at and you hire other people to do what you're good at in, yeah. in our SME. Or you partner with other people who are good at what they're doing. And, and it, it seems a, a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer, yeah. Let me pick your brain about yeah. something else. One of the very first times I ever interviewed you years ago, I, I brought it up and I was astounded at your passion for this. And that's how Standard Bank supports the arts. Yeah. I am from an arty family. My grandfather lived in the Chelsea Hotel in New York and paid his rent in art. My father was a, a, a jeweler and a sculptor. I, I've grown up with, with artists and people always say artists should know more about business. No, they mustn't. If artists thought like business people, they'd be business people. They must yeah. think like artists. And what I've always appreciated about your style of, of leadership is is your focus on the arts because I get it coming from an arty family that artists aren't good business people nor should they try to be nor should society expect them to be and and I, I suppose the, the Medici's kind of had it right you've got to be a you got to be a patron to the arts to get them going because when the arts are doing well in a society society in general is doing well you've said this to me before yeah. so Promise me one thing, that you will go to the Witz Museum yes. and go and have a look at the uh, exhibition that is there now. It's basically an African exhibition of Great. artworks that have been put together by the university in partnership with the Standard Bank. We're very proud of it. Yes. And it's really worthwhile to go and look at it. Uh, 
it's even more worthwhile to consider the symbolism of it. That gallery is right on the edge between Bramfontein and the university. Yes. And as the vice chancellor says, it's almost like the university extending a hand to the city. Yeah. Uh, I like that analogy. analogy. Yeah. It's, it's worth to go and have a look at. We at Standard Bank have always supported the arts. So the great leaders of Standard Bank, going from Mr. McKenzie to Dr. Strauss to Jaco Marie, etc., have traditionally made sure that the universities and the and the bank continue the relationships that they've got. We're inextricably intertwined with WITS because we live chick by jowl with them. Yeah. Liberty's right on their doorstep, yes. uh, etc. But the arts are important because they keep us firmly grounded and remind us of our humanity. True. And I've always said to you that banking is outright a human endeavor. Yeah. We give people the ability to act as economic agents and therefore it's a human Thing. When somebody needs a, ho- a home and shelter yeah. um, and they need liquidity or borrowing for a home loan, they come to a bank. True. When they need to purchase a fridge uh, for the sake of their health, they get liquidity or borrowing from the, a the, bank. The trolls on Twitter might not agree with you that banks are about humanity, but it's a, it is the fundamental point. The trolls on Twitter, I would submit to them that they need to consider that in this digital age, it's about a combination of the human being working with a machine. Yes. What more humanity would you want than that? It, it, true. And I, I mean, there's a lot of talk about kids should learn to code. They should because of the problem-solving features. But actually... They should, but they should also read the... The classics. The classics. They yeah. should read Dostoevsky, Tolstoy. Yeah. They should understand where humanity comes from, the big issues... I, I, listen, I'm a, I studied English literature and philosophy. You, yeah. you, you had me at Dostoevsky. Yeah. But, but the, other, I mean, the other fundamental thing is that the computers will one day be better at programming than we will be. But what computers will never be able to do, what an algorithm will never do, is have a sense of humanity, have a sense of compassion. The emotions. So when somebody's had a death in the family yeah. and they are claiming on the, what, the funeral plan... Uh, what do you need there? You need the empathy, the humanity, for us to understand that the payment must happen on the Friday. Yeah. No later than the Friday. And that if the system goes wrong, a human being must step in to fix it. Indeed. Humanity, I mean, it's fundamental. It is. And, and I suppose it's, it's good that someone like you who gets this is running the continent's biggest bank because at the end of the day, that's what it all is about. We are other hum- humans dealing with other humans. And lest you think that I'm just doing it out of the liberality of my heart, I'm yes. doing it because it's the right thing for the company. It's consistent with its mission. Yes. You know, the company's purpose is Africa is our home, we drive a growth. And that means economic development, but it also means the development of humanity, contributing to education, health, uh, giving people access to the ability to pay, to borrow, to invest, um, but doing it in a way that creates value for everybody. Absolutely capitalist in that sense. I just wanted to make sure that you don't mistake me for a, for, for a Fabian or a Marxist socialist. <laughs> 
<laughs> or some I'm kind of right. pinko liberal. You know, don't worry, I'll, I'll never accuse you of that. <laughs> but but what? Why not be capitalist and do good in the world? Why are they mutually exclusive? I've, you know, I don't get it. I, I'm a, someone who studied English literature and journalism and ended up running a business. Thankfully, my business partner Sally Hudson speaks maths as a first language. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> So I get it. You've got to. You've, if you can't pay salaries, then yeah. you can't do any good in the world. Yeah, I think coming out of the Enlightenment as well, um, the you know the break from mercantilism, yeah, and the need for people to make a moral and a spiritual contribution to commerce, I think continues today. I mean, it's important for us to make sure that you at once producing goods, they generate a social good. They contribute to welfare, people live better, they pay for them, you make a profit, you plow that profit back into society, and then it continues on a dialectical basis like that. It's fundamental. Let's look at the, the bigger picture in terms of the so-called bottom of the pyramid, as it yeah. were. You know, the billion people who are going to come online in the next five to ten years in Africa who can't afford a bank account, who can't afford data for their smartphones. I, you know, these are the kinds of things I've seen. Standard Bank getting involved in and you very specifically advocating for. For sure. So that is why I keep making reference to the likes of Yoko, Ikoka, etc. These are organizations or fintechs that have figured out how to reduce the cost of product and service delivery. We as banks um, have a legacy. We've got a sprawling branch network. Yeah. But it's expensive, right? Yeah. Um, how do we use partnerships either with fintechs or with retailers to reduce the cost of product and service delivery and including telcos by the way telcos have got access to these clients yeah. in numbers the combination of those types of organizations with us creates something special it creates the ability of my grandmother uh, in Queenstown needing to make a payment to somebody in Johannesburg from her phone without her getting on a taxi, yeah. running the risk of being robbed, getting to the bank. She sits there and she does instant money. It's fantastic. It's terrific. Yeah. Um, and you need more of that kind of kind of thing. So your point about inclusion, absolutely. Um, but I go back to this theme of there are these fintechs that have got really nifty solutions. Partner with them, sometimes make investments in them, sometimes create them inside the organization. Yeah. Be willing to partner with telcos, be willing to partner with big techs, but preserve your excellence in financial services, in asset management, insurance, and banking, because that's the base on which you compete, that trust, that relationship that you got with clients. And, and it is, it is a relationship. Yeah. It doesn't matter that you're a, a big bank or a big shopping chain or a or an airline. You yeah. you have a trust relationship with people. I, yeah. you know, I trust certain things, certain service providers more than I do other mm. people. Um, but in Africa, so to, just to take you back to your point, the challenge in Africa, of course, is you've got the banks, you've got the regional banks such as ourselves, First Rand, APSA, EcoBank, Equity Bank. Yeah. Increasingly, you've got the Moroccans and the yeah. Egyptians starting to move south. South, south yeah. seen. And then you've got the big techs trying to figure out what to do. So Vodacom and... Uh, MTN. And, and MTN. Well, and Alipay. In this uh, yeah, case. yeah. And so pretty soon you can envisage a situation where the continent leapfrogs the world. Yeah. 
as we have with Safaricom. So Safaricom, uh, even though they disrupted the East Africa banking system, it's been terrific for customers. It has. Banks have had to step up to the plate, figure out what we need to do to do what's right for customers, work with regulators, and improve our own performance. So I mean, our entire conversation now has been about exactly that. How does Standard Bank, this massive financial institution, become more nimble in the service of its clients, retail and wholesale clients? Part of that making things more nimble. I mean, it was fascinating to me that both M-Pesa and MTN's mobile money didn't work the first time around in South Africa. And that I think they closed in 2016 for the reason that what we had in South Africa was good enough. Yeah. There, there was an existing infrastructure that didn't need to be fixed or replaced. It's a bit different now, five years later. Suddenly, there's a whole bunch of challenger banks. There are. So we mentioned Z- Bank Zero, Time, etc. Um, the banking arena has never been more competitive. Um, I mean, certainly in my, in my experience, um, it's good for consumers, and it has forced banks to be more competitive. Yeah. You know? Um, and the winners ultimately will be those, I think, that figure out how to take advantage of network effects, um, how to work beyond financial services but still retain uh, their financial services capability. Your point about agility, you know, it no longer makes sense. I made the example of EFTs, um, pay fast. Um, it's not good enough to make people wait for their money. People want their money now. Mm. Um, so how do you design your <laughs> your processes and systems to meet that? If people want to borrow money, there was a time when it took months to yeah. make a credit decision. Now people want it instantly. Uh, you know, people want, they want to buy now and pay later. Yeah. You know, how do you facilitate that for them. If you don't, other people will. Yes. There's players in the market that will. I mean, one of the fascinating things I've watched grow up over the years, as I'm sure you have, is that instead of doing credit checks with people who've never been a part of any kind of financial or formal financial system, you can't do proof of addresses and other things, but you can, you can check where someone's phone stays every night. There's, you can, you know, there's a whole bunch of data gathering you can do from social media activity that will give you a sense of people's trustworthiness or not. Um, there is vast amounts of data yeah. um, that sits inside the institution but also with partners in your in your adjacent businesses where you can then use that data to make some important decisions that historically you couldn't. You know, we used to work on the basis of the three C's, right? Yeah. Uh, character, capital and cash flow uh, with cash flow being very, very important. Uh, now you've got all of this data um, and you need to think differently about how to... It's kind of like that American, um, the famous uh, Moneyball book and, mm. and understanding where baseball players were judged on how well they can run and yeah. a whole bunch of visual criteria that had very little to do with how well they actually played. Yeah. And, and that's been the big thing, I think, about understanding how much of a role data plays. Absolutely. Uh, I mean... You know, the language is now data is the new oil. Um, You know, whatever one may think, um, the basis on which you compete remains trust, but you need to use your data appropriately to be a winner. Um, And in our case, for example, we've appointed a senior executive out of business to run with our data strategy. 
and you would have thought we'd pick an engineer to do it. We've actually chosen to pick a very, very good corporate and investment banker to, to Great, um, great. And she's running with our data. I remember my boss, Justice Malala, at a newspaper called This Day, making the arts editor head of politics yeah. because of the different perspective he could bring to uh, something that, you know, yeah. a normal political reporter might not have. No, Sune Bruchman is a very accomplished banker. She used to run uh, a large part of our investment bank, and she then ran the risk uh, division in corporate and investment banking said to her, go and run with data for us, go and make money for us. Fantastic. And all of this ultimately uh, is going to show up in a promise we've made to the investment community that our return on equity will be between 17 and 20% by 2025, compound annual growth in our uh, revenues of between 7 and 9%, cost to income ratio declining to close to 50%, and our credit loss ratio between 70 and 100 basis points. Everything you and I have been speaking about yeah. has to give rise to those outcomes. Yeah, and, Otherwise, and, we'll have failed. And it's a matter of trust. That you are trusted not only as a service provider, but as, a, as a, Investors want an investment to vehicle. Mm. I mean, for a failed lawyer, I must say your, your grasp of numbers is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> what will my son is for? What kind of world is he going to inhabit? I keep thinking, I remember, you know, when we, I became a journalist, the only people who needed to touch type were journalists and secretaries. By the time I finished my degree four years later, everybody touched typed in high school or primary school. Learning to drive a car at one point was a mission critical part of, of getting a job. Will autonomous cars be the big thing? What are the kinds of skills in... 15 years when, when my son enters the workforce, what do, what do, what do we think it's going to look like? I think many of the trends that we've been observing over the last few years will continue. Yes. So, you know, he, they will be spending more and more time on their gadgets. Um, we will be seeing more and more robots do more of the routine work, yeah. whether it be actual robots or software. Uh, software. Uh, you will see more and more shifting to, as you and I spoke to, to the cloud. Yeah. But I also believe that um, they will still need the elements that relate to human empathy. Yeah. So they will still, it'll still be important for people to understand feelings, emotions, um, to interpret information, to interpret body language, yeah. um, to interpret... Uh, the so-called soft yeah, skills. All of those skills. Yeah. And I say to people, uh, during the Industrial Revolution between 1700 and the 1820s, I bet you people thought the world would change fundamentally. Mm. But it actually didn't, right? Uh, machines continued to do what they needed to do. They were augmented by human beings. I think it will be the same yeah. in this, uh, uh, this Industrial Revolution. Uh, when people say to me, what should my kids study? I say to them, they must go with their passions. Yeah, me too. Uh, you will still need people that read Dostoevsky. Yeah. Um, as much as you will need people who code mm. um, and maths, uh, etc. How different will that be? Much will be different, but much will have stayed the same. Another way of thinking about it, you know, for thousands of years, people have been trying to figure out human nature. Yeah. For another couple of thousand years, they'll still be trying to figure it out. You know? Agreed. 
even with all of those machines, all of that data, etc. I mean, there's a fascinating uh, story Isaac Asimov wrote called "The Last Question." Yeah, um, and he had a he had an idea for this global computer he called Multivac, and obviously after millennia of these you know all powerful computers, uh, all of the obvious questions had been asked, and the last question was was to to be asked, and there was a generation of kind of like. Uh, uh, philosopher question askers, yeah. you know, philosopher journalists, let's yeah. call them, who would ask the ultimate questions. And and the fascinating thing for me is that someone obviously did a find and replace and replace multivac with Google, and it makes complete sense in our world. But it, but it's inevitable that the the things we have, a steam train became an electric train, became you know an autonomous train. All of the the technology will continue to exponentially get better and better because that's the nature of how things evolve. But you you quite rightly put the point on it, and I fundamentally agree that, that it's our humanity that is our greatest strength, not yeah. our ability to make machines do work for us. And the winners, Toby, will be those who work best in combination with the machine. So in our world, David Monroe puts it beautifully. He says, uh, digital augmented by humanity and vice versa. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Because it is. It is, it is ultimately human beings that are the customers and human beings that program the machines and yeah. and we need to we need to build on humanity we need to train more poets and philosophers yeah. and artists um, and I'll take you right back to the beginning um, and so since they dot people used to do banking on benches in temples yes somebody would bring coins or jewelry for safekeeping the guy would take it, keep it, and because he had it for a few days, would unlend it to somebody else. Okay. When the person came back to get their money back, they had to be certain that they would get it back. Yeah. And the root of the word bank is banker, which is a bench. Yes. What has changed between what I've just described and what we do today? Not much. And I would offer to you that not much will change in future. All that will change is the technology. Yeah, the means of... The banker is no longer the bench. It's now this gizmo. The smartphone. The smartphone. But the the action of taking a deposit, advancing a loan, helping somebody hedge... uh, I mean, Aristotle, uh, we know, was writing about uh, options contracts. Yes. (laughs) You know, they're exactly the same. You know, they're still... (laughs) the, The pricing of options contracts is still the same. You know, um, but the technology has changed. I think you've summed it up from from uh, temple benches to smartphones. I think it's a it's a really great line. Some Shabalala, all I can say is keep up the good work. Every time I have a meeting and encounter with you, I will always walk away impressed not by your skill as a as a banker or a failed lawyer, but your humanity, which at the end of the day is what you want from people who run big institutions more than anything else. Thank you, Toby, and all the best to you, and thank you for all the good work that you do, too. Thank you. Thank you. So, thanks for listening to T2S2, and thanks for Douglas Adams for giving us the name of T2S2. Please like us, please follow us, and please continue to download this podcast. Stay safe. And in your stock market update, investors are averaging down in a bull market up from yesterday's bear market, showing volatility in the liquidity of the hedge fund's haircut, leveraging the lows, moving the margins and short-selling the spread of share market sectors while playing footsie. 
Fortunately, you don't need to get the stock market to get shares in the world's biggest companies like Apple, Facebook and Coca-Cola. Download Shift, the global money app from Standard Bank and get the world. Standard Bank, it can be. Shift operates under the FSP license of Standard Bank.